Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast, hosted by your boy right here, Anthony Spada. And on today's episode, we have Ben Hartman, founder, owner of Morphogen Nutrition. And on today's episode, we discuss just that. Everything from how he created it to how he formulates his supplements, taking the risk, and going into a bit of it with his wife's trust. And before we get into the episode, I got two announcements to make. Number one, I am proudly teaming up with Morphogen Nutrition to bring you guys some of the best supplements in the game. Third party test it. Literally the best. I use um all my supplements are from them. So <laughs> if you have any questions, let me know. Um, for you guys, you can use code SPADA for 10% off their products. All supplements. And second announcement is I'm opening up my coaching again. Um, I do online fitness coaching for most of you who don't know, or if you're just joining on to the Ace of Spada family. Um, I help people become the ace in the deck of cards known as life. I want to guide you to be the best you you freaking can be. And yes, I'm only 22, but I have a ton of knowledge that I'm willing to share with a bunch of you. Um, so there's a link in my bio or link in the show notes, not in my bio, um, to my coaching application. All you gotta do is fill out your name, email, phone number, and I'll be in contact within the next 24 hours and we will set you up and you'll be on your way to becoming an ace in the deck of cards known as life. So it's my pleasure to welcome on to this episode, Ben Hartman. Tell me kind of how you, uh, how did you create Morphogen? Actually, it's like a cool, I, I think your brand's one of the best in the world. Um, I, I use more, I, I use, I use Morphocom and that thing was one of the best products I ever tried. And it helped me so much with my anxiety that like going to bed was so much easier and it worked like. Like you don't see too many products that that's, actually that's what you said. You said it worked. So to kind of go back way to, from the beginning, um, I was with, I was sponsored by another company for a number of years. I did trade shows. I worked the Arnold. Uh, I wrote for their website, you know, did demo sampling and all this shit. And at the time they had some, you know, some okay products, a, a decent protein powder, some basic, you know, commodity items. And then they started coming out with some formulas that were just garbage. And, uh, and I was a heavy science guy, heavy research and evidence-based guy at a time, you know, I mean, we're talking like I was, I signed with them probably, I mean, shit, it was almost 12 years ago now, okay. 11, 10 years. So some, I mean, we're talking like way back before there were all these influencers, before there were discount codes all over social media, before any of that stuff. Um, so it was a good gig. And then coming up, they came out with some formulas and I'm like, these are junk. And why doesn't anybody just make something that has everything you need within that respective product category that works? And, and I had some connections in manufacturing and with some stores and uh, I had done some uh, consulting work with a number of people. So I, I, 
I knew people. I had a lot of networking and I was able to call in some favors and, you know, get some, get some resources together and, and basically told my wife, I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm putting together my own company and I'm going to do it so that this stuff works. And come to find out the reason that nobody puts anything at full dose, full disclosure, everything you need within that respective product category is because that shit's expensive to make. And everybody's in the game of distribution. You know, it's a volume game. They start their company, they have a huge capital investment, they have a big staff, they have a marketing budget, they have all this stuff, and they make a, whether it's a, a shitty product or even a decent product or even a good product, there's only so much that they can make it, you know, yeah. for. And then there, there's markups, you know, there's cost of manufacturing, cost of distribution, cost of resale, you know, cost of the consumer, and everybody's marking it up, you know, 50 or more percent. And I go, what if I, you know, what if I just make something that's way more money to make? And it works so well that I don't have to be a shady salesman to get people to do it. Because if it, if I show them the research and I say, here's how it lines up on paper, then a, a person who's not driven by emotional, illogical marketing, you know, to buy something, if it's more of a logical choice, if it's educated, if it's informed, if it's, you know, compare the two things, yeah. you take that, that type of person that thinks that way and then you deliver a product that unequivocally works better than anything else and they have no choice but to continue to buy and use that product and then when somebody asks them about it, they're going to tell all these people and slowly the word will spread and so that's what we did from day one was let's see what the hell we can do with one product and see if it spreads and it slowly spread and then we eventually went into two and then we eventually went into three and it's been... It'll be uh, it'll be nine years officially next month that we formed awesome. Articles Incorporation, and we had the first product available. I want to say it was like late September of that year. So this fall will be nine years of of having goods in hand that we can provide to people of uh, of one hell of a journey. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting. The one thing I noted is that everything besides like the basics, like the creatine and everything that you provide, is the same price, which I think is. Honestly, I think it's the coolest thing because I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure we're the only company that does that. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to know kind of your math behind yeah. making it everything kind of the same price so, and from the protein to more for because yeah. these because these ingredients aren't cheap. You look at something like KSM sixty six; it's pretty any of the brand stuff potent, have a, a, a yeah. price hike, anyways, just because it's licensed. But so basically, when we were when we were doing it, it was a combination of what what can I do that means something to me that upholds the integrity that I, that I stand for in the industry that represents the knowledge that I've acquired that also provides me with a good or a service if I were a consumer. So I, I approach everything as if, if I'm buying from me, what do I want, right? I don't care what stores are doing. I don't care what the other brands are doing. A lot of people go, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's never been done that way. You shouldn't do that. Nobody does it. And I go, okay. I don't care. And so for me personally, if I go to another company's website and I see two products right next to each other, let's say one of them is 50 bucks and the other one's 30 bucks. My first reaction is why is the $30 product not better? Mm -hmm. Even though they're not the same products, you know what I mean? Like you can have one that's a pre-workout and one that's a fat burner, right? And in my eyes, if, if this one is so much more money than this one, then this one has something I don't want to say wrong with it, but suboptimal about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And when that happens, it not only in my eyes diminishes the, um, the perceived value of that product, but if the whole brand is all over the place to me, again, this is the way that I think I go, 
some of this stuff is great and some of it's not great. And it changes my perception of the entire brand, the entire company from being, you know, they might have like one premium good and the rest of it's kind of mediocre or, you know, split 50, 50. I automatically don't view that company as a premium company at this point. And if you don't view their products as premium, uh, and you know, top of each respective product category, then what else do you potentially question? I'm not even saying that that's necessarily accurate about the company. I'm saying that's my perception of something. So I never wanted somebody to come to me and go, yeah, your $30 product, it's probably not that great. There's, there's 10,000 $30 products out there, but your $50 product and this one is the best of the best. I understand why it's 50. Why would you not make this $30 one even better? Uh, so our goal as we were slowly introducing product was find each category, pre-workout, protein, fat burner, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And make them so good that they all fall within a, a relatively small, you know, margin of each other and set the prices even across the board so that every single product has the same perceived value as the product next to it. Even if you don't necessarily have a utility purpose to use that product, like if you don't need a fat burner, at least it doesn't bring the company down from a perception standpoint. Yeah. The other part of that goal is in creating products that are all within a small window of price, I know that my margins are going to be relatively consistent so I can have a little bit more accurate forecasting um, and projections with that regard, especially because we only do direct to consumer sales. But uh, it allows me to, um, to make sure that each, like I said, each respective category is done unequivocally better than anything else. So I want, I don't want to have five good SKUs and the other ones are comparable to anything else. My goal has been to make every single individual product in that respective product, product category undeniably better than anything else. If you took away every other product in the whole line and you just took our pre-workout and compared it against all the pre-workouts, I want everybody to go, yep, that is the best of the best or you know, one of the arguably the best. I want them to go down every single product and say the same thing. And then that really helps too, because now the customer goes, okay, I know exactly how much each product costs. So then when we do cohesive stacks based on individual goals, we can dis- uh, discount them a certain percentage and it, it's a cohesive price across the whole thing. So, you know, stacks of two or 88, stacks of three or 128, stacks of four or 168. Uh, and it's just nice and consistent and easy, uh, t- you know, to kind of see through all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about the margins to kind of get, I'm not like a huge business person, but I was like, you probably, I would assume in the beginning, you maybe lost some money producing the better product though. Um, Is that kind of what happened? Like, Yeah, so you- it's funny. So we have more buying power now. We do more yeah. volume, we have yeah. more SKUs, we have better relationships. Uh, in 2017, at the time, we had a very big year for us. Every year has, so basically over the last eight and a half years, we have more than doubled every single year over the previous year. Like literally almost exactly a little over doubled. 2017 though, that number, when you just look at a number was felt so much bigger and we started to get some recognition through social media and, and, uh, you know, people retagging stuff on Instagram and a lot of these review sites on Facebook and all these apps and things. And we started getting some comparisons to other brands and I go, okay. I'd rather take a hit on a margin and throw an extra three to five bucks in every single product to make it that much better. Knowing that it's already better than anything else. But now that people are taking note and trying to catch up, nobody can catch up. 
and maybe they can catch up on one product, but they can't catch up on everything. Not at the, not the fact that we've been doing this for almost a decade already. Um, so our margins aren't fantastic. They're certainly not fantastic enough to run retail. And part yeah. of that problem is retail expects a certain price. Now, if I were to go into retail, I would have to make my prices higher on my website to encourage consumers to go to the store. That limits the people who buy from us. That limits their ability to buy direct from us. Um, it gives the store the ability to sell more goods and a better profit for them, even though it sucks for me. And I have to do an infinitely higher volume to make up the difference. Yeah, That's not why I got in the game in the first place. That whole world of that industry, it, it's there and I don't take anything away from it. But what we're doing is not, it's not, it doesn't fit into that model at all. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, yeah, I had uh, Doug Miller on a few episodes ago, and he talked about the same thing. He was like, "I'd rather produce a better product to just do direct to consumer." Yeah, well, it's, so so I've known Doug for a number of years, and and we talk every now and then on social media, and we do very much have a mutual respect for each other. And I love what he represents. I love his branding. I love what his. Uh, all of his brands kind of encompass, you know, you have some that are a little more marketing driven, some that are a little more organic, some that are a little more retail. Uh, I like what he's doing over there. Uh, Doug and I have always kind of joked to each other that like, if I were to have done a big distribution type thing, I, I would own core. And if, he, <laughs> and if he were to have started over and not never done that, he maybe have done something similar to what Morphogen did. And uh, you know, people have made some comparisons between our brands, which I, I find flattering. He's somebody that I've always looked up to in the industry. I've never wanted to um, to have direct com- comparisons to another brand because it's kind of an unfair market. You know, it's like people people that want the best thing they can find in a retail market. Doug's brands are going to be right up there with the best of the best. Yeah. Um, those people aren't necessarily going to be my specific customers. Where I'm not saying my customers are necessarily better or or worse. They're just a different type of customer. They think. A little bit more specifically, they have a little bit less uh, of a an emotionally driven decision making process. Um, like I said, so it's it, there's a logical choice that can be made. But I also cannot reach massive numbers of people. It'll just never happen. So it's you know there's a little bit of give and take. He can help a lot more people than I can help. But the people that I can help, I think that I can help them a little bit better given the type of people that they are. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, he was just on and he was discussing his his come up and just kind of reminded me both that you kind of are direct consumer and if his isn't, it's from his own nutrition corner store. So he basically yeah. does what he needs to do with his own retail shop. Essentially direct but through his own store, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and the thing is too, is a lot of the, the mom and pop shops are complicated because they all have in-house brands that they obviously make a higher margin on and yeah. they have their cheaper brands that they might make a higher margin on. And then they have their brands that their employees get a kickback from the parent company itself to sell those products. So if you do sell a upper level good and, and you know, maybe 10% of the customers that come in there are going to value that good or be swayed by the employee to buy that good. Everybody else is going to buy the middle of the range stuff or less. So even from that perspective, whether it's a mom and pop or a big distribution, like an online you know, huge internet retailer. That's how that game works. And anybody selling top of the line stuff isn't going to thrive necessarily in those markets. Um, it's kind of like cars, 
everybody can buy a beater, but only certain people buy the beater because that's all they can buy. I'm not going to sell beaters, you know? And then most people can buy middle of the range, high quality sedans for their family and they look nice and they're good and they're right in here. And those are the commercials that you see all over TV. And there's a million cars, a million brands. And then you have the luxury stuff. You never see Ferraris and Lamborghinis advertising because they don't have to advertise because there are less of those premium companies and there are specific types of people looking for that that don't care about the car commercials. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where they're going. So yeah, that's exactly what I like us to that, you know, that sort of model where it's like, if you really do make the best stuff, the people that value that will find you. Yep. And I serve them accordingly. Yeah. I think that's, that was going to be up my next point. Cause if you look at your brand, you don't give out, you don't give out free supplements to people. You don't do all no. that yaya stuff nope. that a lot of other companies do. And I think that makes you unique, but I, yeah, I mean, so we do have, yeah. we do have affiliates who have discount codes. Yeah. We've been doing that since the beginning before it was a huge thing. We don't give out huge discount codes because honestly we can't because yeah. our margins don't yeah. allow for it. And what people don't understand is when you see a $48 price point in the United States, that includes free shipping and handling. Yeah. We're, we're an Ohio based company in Ohio that includes all the sales tax. So we're getting hit from all angles on all that stuff because I want the value to go to the consumer not nickel and dime them for an extra five or eight or 10 bucks during the checkout process, which again, if I were buying from me, if I got hit with an extra 10 bucks at checkout, I'd click out of that site immediately. Even yeah. if it's only 10 bucks, it would just piss me off at it. Like surprise me at the end. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that actually I've had, I've run into a few occasions where I was doing that myself on a supplement company site. And I would literally be like, they have the discount code. You enter the discount code and then they hit you with like, shipping yeah. and it's like 12 bucks for shipping. You're like, what? When I'm so many companies have bigger discount codes and big teams of people with these codes and that's great, but you have to realize that there's, for us, it's a way to reward people that have marketed for us. We don't yeah. spend any money on marketing. So we don't have this heavy marketing push. We're not heavy ads on social media. We don't do any of that. It's all organic. And so the people that are spreading that because they believe in it, it was a way for us to honestly just track what was going on so we can throw them a free tub every now and then and, and just see, you know, see how it goes. If we were to give a 20% off discount code and like a 20% kickback in, in product to a person, there's a lot of money. Really make $0. Yeah. Compared to a company that can do that. But they're, if their products are, you know, cost $5 to make and they sell them for 40 bucks, they could take a 40% hit on that. And they're not paying for shipping and they can still make a $20 profit on that product even with all the discounts and all the, all the ridiculousness. And that's, I just don't like that business model. That's just yeah. not how I operate. That's not what I align with. So I don't even, that's not my thing. Yeah. I love what you do though. You show you uniquely, I haven't seen an owner really do this before, but you show love to everybody who uses your product. That's kind of really the interesting part is like you basically repost every single person yeah. that tags you on their stories. And, and, and I like, so here's the thing. So, I've always said from day one, like, yes, I own a business. I'm not a, I'm not a businessman. I honestly don't know how to run businesses. Yeah. I know how to run my business now, but man, I fucked up a lot over the years. Yeah. And I have my wife who's like my voice of reason to make sure I don't do anything stupid. But honestly, from day one, even with my whole background before I started Morphogen, everything I've ever done has been uh, essentially education. It's been communicating these things that I've picked up in this very small, small niche that I'm good at. 
and sharing it with people. And a lot of that is, is I crave social interaction. I crave the human connection. And if I can connect with somebody because they, they value the product that we bring, that means that they also think kind of the way that I think. And I want to, I want to talk to those people. I want them to ask me questions. I want to have that dialogue and see what they think about the product and get some feedback. So I'm literally going through and answering every single thing and retagging every single person. Because again, if I were a consumer, that's what I would want. Yeah. I think that's the cool part is because I've asked you multiple times about products to try and what they would do and how they would help. And you respond within like a few hours of that happening. So it's pretty cool to see that. I just, I just wanted to say, I appreciate you doing that because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank it's God really for funny, Instagram. Like, it's funny. Cause like I get, I mean, all day long. <laughs> All day long. Oh, you have your notifications open. Oh, I can't have that on Instagram. Oh, I, ha- I no. have to because I have to know that there's stuff there. Oh, because you would just totally I have a little just... bit of I have a little bit of the complex. Like even if I see uh, like an email pop up, if I can read like without clicking on the email, if I can read like the first half the sentence and get an idea of what the email is, I have to open it up. And if I open it, I have to handle it because I'm not going to remember to go back and do it. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. I have to, like, if I see an email pop up that I know looks kind of important, I have to read it. It's like, that's 100% getting done. (laughs) Um, I kind of want to go into your formulations because this is something like we just mentioned that you pride yourself over. So how do you figure out like what to put in and how, like how long does the process take of actually creating a product? Like you had, you had something, let's take like Morpho Brain that you just redid and like added that whole, what was it, Dynamite or something, yeah, right? Dynamite, yeah. Um, like how do you figure out how to formulate a product so it actually is worth the cost of yeah. what you sell for? And like, I don't know if you, you don't need to fully disclose how you no, formulate no, so, a so, product. So but, here's the thing. So the way, I'll describe this in kind of the way that I think about things. So okay. when I look at, uh, that sort of product category. I look at the end result. What are you trying to do? There might be five things, right? Or, you know, if it's a pre-workout, it's energy, focus, pump, mood, strength, you know, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So you, you start with the end goal and you go and you reverse engineer it from there. Ignoring cost, ignoring size of scoop, amount of capsules, ignoring everything. And so what I do is I put together a list of every possible thing that could fit into those, those holes. Okay. If you think that each, each, each goal that you're trying to achieve, it's like a hole and you're trying to fill the holes and you have to go, what fills in the holes that sometimes there's ingredient that fills a hole by itself so well that there's nothing else that needs to complement it. Sometimes if it's, you know, energy, let's say an arbitrary thing like energy, energy is a hole that can be filled with a number of different things. And when you look at how those things all interplay together, you might be able to fill the hole with one, or with these two, but maybe if you combine these three at a smaller dose, it fills the hole and it makes a little bit more sense. Or maybe it's safer, or maybe it uh, it confers some benefit with regards to like duration of action or onset of action or, or that kind of stuff. And so I basically do that for every single thing that I want to do for the product. And I put together the ultimate formula. <laughs> and then what I do is I look at it and I go, okay, if it's more for brain, I wanted it to be a capsule product. Capsules can only fit so much product in a capsule. You can only have so many capsules in a serving. Although in theory, I could, you know, 
I'm cool with making a 12 capsule serving. I don't care. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I I kind of look at it again, the utility of how somebody going to use this product. If it's a flavored product, it has to be a specific flavor that might mix with something else or can be taken on its own. A cognitive product like Brain, I didn't want to do a drink product for it because I wanted something that somebody could wake up and have their morning coffee or a protein shake or take it with pre-workout or take it with aminos where it didn't have any sort of conflicting issues with that. When I looked at all the ingredients that I wanted to use, luckily the the big ones, even in gram quantities, I could fit them all in that number of capsules. Uh, And then you basically start fishing around for quotes. And that's when it gets interesting because you just, sometimes I have an idea of what's going to come out and something yeah. you, know, you, had, you had a brand new trademark patented well-studied ingredient like Zynamite at the full dose. I already knew that cost of that ingredient was going to be ridiculous. Uh, but you have to look at the formula as a whole and say, well, some of these ingredients, even at very effective dosages are relatively inexpensive. So I can do something like that to kind of meet in the middle with it. Um, and literally it's, it's, I mean, think of like a puzzle, but it's like a big 3d puzzle and this is the product and you have to think of how everything fits, but also how it interplays with the thing next to it. Um, and it's not just effectiveness of each individual ingredient. It's not just the synergy of ingredients. It's the safety, it's the dose, it's the size of the dose. Again, the size of the scoop, the number of capsules, the price, can I get licensing rights for this ingredient? Um, you name it. You name yeah. it. So yeah. that's kind of how I do formulas. I basically do that. I'm, I'm well aware of trends in the industry. You always should be aware of trends. I don't necessarily follow trends. So like Zynamite is an interesting one where it's getting a lot of buzz right now. When we first started looking it up, nobody in North America was using it at all. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask about this. About I'm, going fairly confident, I'm fairly confident that we are the second company in all of North America to bring it to the market. Awesome. Um, and the other one is a company that I very much respect. Uh, I don't know the owner too specifically, but I know people that are good friends with that owner and I respect what they're doing over there. And honestly, we were going through the licensing agreements all at the same time. <laughs> and um, because ours was in conjunction with a more com- complex formula, getting it and in the right dose and producing it took a little longer to do than their product did. So they beat us by a couple of weeks. Oh, it is what it is. So what is, um, so when I look at, so when I look at like a brain supplement, I love, I love cognitive anything. I'm a huge fan of, uh, lion's mane has been my go-to for the past, like full like year since I've started doing this podcast or nine months, I guess now, um, that's been, that works like completely works for me. I have it with my coffee in the morning and I am set to go. Like I just feel absolutely productive but i also have adhd so that's a problem um, gonna, um i'll give you a little teaser here so we have a new product coming out called adaptogen and it is a drink mix that's in two flavors designed specifically to mix with coffee or you know shake or oatmeal or whatever uh and it has pretty large doses of several mushrooms including lion's mane uh plus some other adaptogenic uh various herbs and things it has neurofactor in there uh, some other good stuff yeah that'll be coming soon yeah, you got some. Yeah, you got some pretty cool products coming out. Um, that one's coming I'm, soon. I'm in. I'm actually a huge fan of. I don't like stim pre workouts. So when I heard Morpho Pump, I was kind of. I once you once you kind of release that is, name, it's Morpho is stupid. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> we basically. I've been thinking about this product for a long time, and especially so. So the the spot that we're in now as a company is. I already know that we have all the main categories kind of covered. 
and I always look at other really awesome ingredients that maybe don't have a specific place in any one product. Or maybe it's something that there's no way that I could add these two ingredients into Volugen. One, it wouldn't make it any better because it's already ridiculously good. It's kind of like diminishing returns at that point. But two, yep. it would drive the cost of that product up so much that I could never produce it and then nobody could ever use it. So it's like, can I make a, a secondary complementary product that isn't necessarily just a pre-workout type of thing? So like more of a bump, it's, you can use it pre-workout, but it's you can space it out throughout the course of the day for general blood pressure and vascular health benefits, not just going to the gym and getting a pump, not just the performance benefits of that aspect. So it's, it's uh, some different pathways, different, totally different ingredient profile than anything else we have. Um, dosages that are just ridiculous, extract percentages that are ridiculous. And for a pill product, it was quite expensive. Uh, <laughs> were a couple bucks less than powders anyways, because of the, you know, their size, that one was up there for sure. Oh, I, so I use right now, like it's full disclosure. I use America labs, the stars and pipes as my kind of pump pre-workout. Mm -hmm. And that thing is six grams of L-citrulline. I'm like, you can't mix that with anything. I'm like, you literally can't put that with any other pre-workout yeah. unless you use like half the pre-workout. I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> I was like, I could, I say, but do, I say do it. <laughs> I think I'd be in pain actually well, after like, about so an hour. Like, you know, we talked about Doug and his brains. Like I like what America does with the simplicity of their formulas. Yeah, it's where, three ingredients. I, I, and I love that it's three ingredients at wicked doses and no bullshit. Um, I've seen some podcasts with some other people. Like, So I'm, I'm friends with uh, Chris Waldrum, who owns Inspired. And I like okay. what Inspired does. I love their formulas. And his, his brand kind of almost reminds me of a mix between like what I'm doing and like what Doug's doing, where I think he has a little bit more creativity to it, like how I do things, but he still values some of the simplicity on the backbone of each product, like how Doug does some things. And I really like how the formulas look on paper. I like uh, the concept and how I, it's almost like I can feel how their minds are going towards that thing. For me, I'm always kind of like, I can spend this much. <laughs> what yeah. can I put in there <laughs> and squeeze that out of there and just make it over the top, over the yeah. top. So, yeah. I do have something for there's so when we look at brands nowadays I feel like when you look at things the way the trends have gone is that you can't really have a successful supplement company it seems like more people are pressing towards companies like you who have fully disclosed labels yep um I wanted to get your the thoughts with is what is with what is wrong with let's like I want to give you kind of a rant talk. What is wrong with proprietary blends, um, <laughs> and why it's so important to yeah. fully disclose it for not only for you as a business, but for also the consumer. Yeah. So most of the industry, so the industry is huge, right? Yeah, it's, the industry massive. It's, it's growing faster than ever. There are more. It's more saturated than ever, but the, it's like there are so many people fighting for a little teeny slice of the pie, but the pie is getting fucking huge. Yeah, there's good and bads to that. The good in that is that you have so many people competing in a big open market, which inherently is going to drive up um, the quality of many, many, many things. It should, because uh, one of two things either going to happen: either everybody's going to compete on the market to make the cheapest shit. To yeah. hit those lower bottom feeding people or everybody's going to compete in this, you know, this middle range to make as good of a, of a product as they can before they dip into the ultra premium range. And so you do see a lot more brands having full disclosure, having better formulas in that, you know, kind of that middle 80% of the industry. I'd like to think I'm in that, you know, upper 20% where there's still companies 
competing in, for, you know, for that territory, making things that are ultra high, ultra premium, ultra, you know, put together formulas. Um, but overall, the trend is going towards that. I think a lot of that is social media driven. You have a lot more of an educated and an informed consumer. Are there still dumb, young, you know, 19-year-old <laughs> bros walking into GNC and buying the shittiest thing on the shelf because they heard about it or because the store owner sold them on it? I mean, 100%. But 15 years ago, that's like all there was. And now that seems to be, at least for me, I'm so far removed from that. I don't even know how much is, of that is even a thing anymore, which is cool uh, to be in my own little bubble. Um, from, a, from a consumer standpoint, that's a great thing because it's dosing, right? So there are some companies that I still respect and they put together some for, like formulas that might have some disclosed ingredients and then some proprietary mixes of stuff. Yeah. If I trust that company and I've tried the product and, it, and I enjoy it, I can get behind that. But the way, again, remember I talked about I formed the company with the way that yep. I think. Yep. I tend to be so analytical and so OCD about all those little details that I just can't in good faith, purchase something if I don't know what the fuck is in it, right? I understand that some companies go, well, the research says this, 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 or the doses, but when you mix them all together, that kind of doesn't matter as much anymore, and so you can get away with a weird mix, and then we're just going to hide the mix. That's kind of true, but it's also a little reckless. It's a little Wild Westy um, in my eyes. And I, again, I just can't get behind something like that because that does offer the opportunity for many, many companies who are a little shadier, especially some of these newer companies that are popping up like crazy that nobody knows who owns them or who's running them. They don't have any face to the company. They could make anything and nobody knows. And I just don't like that. Um, from my standpoint, it actually makes things a little worse because that gives competitors the opportunity to essentially copy your formulas. A lot of companies use proprietary blends and they say it's to protect intellectual property. We came up with this very specific mix of these ingredients that we feel works best. Here's what I, I don't like about that. We feel, I feel that it's better. Is there any evidence? Is there any literature? Is there any data? I feel, just trust me, bro. I, I, I tried it myself. Yeah. It's better. I just don't, again, I don't get behind that. That's not the way that I operate. Um, hiding intellectual property is probably a, a good thing for a company that's on a major market like that, that does have a lot of direct competitors because you are going to have a lot of copycats. Um, but the consumers buying those products, I don't think care all that much. About what they're, they're putting in. Yeah. To a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like, they might trust the company and the company might be doing pretty good things, but ultimately the consumer's not going to care if there's a couple ingredients hidden and there's a couple that are not compared to the brand right next to it that's doing the same thing. Um, I'm not too worried about anybody copying us directly because I know how much our stuff costs to make. And I know that almost all companies, at least up until recently, at least entertain the distribution side of things. So they have a cap on what they can do. They have a marketing budget. They have a much larger staff than we have. So their overhead is higher. So they can't make a product as expensive as I can make. It's like, and I know I'm fucking myself on some, some of those things. <laughs> I, I know I am, but I'm also, it also gives me the peace of mind that nobody else can do essentially what we're doing. So feel free anybody to copy exactly what we're doing because what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep creating more products and I'm going to put more shit in them. And if you copy one of my products, I'm going to put $3 more ingredients in there. Even if it hurts my bottom line, 
because I refuse to have anything I make. Um, I don't want to say be questioned. That sounds very arrogant. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like I love being questioned. I, I don't want anything to have any doubt yeah. in its efficacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, because I'm not a business guy, I'm not a traditional sales guy. The product should speak for itself. And if anybody who again, thinks logically and rationally about things is able to look at that product and question whether or not it is a viable item to purchase, then I haven't done my job in creating a better product. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I do. I'm going to keep up on that. Yeah, I do that now. Like once after I took Morphocom and once I started to get more into the bodybuilding side and what I'm actually putting into my body um, in terms of supplements, I look for, I saw proprietary blends and I look and I'd be like, and then you kind of look at like what the ingredients have and from like doing my own studies on like how much citrulline stuff should be in there. And you look at how much of the it's an automatic. No, it's like, yeah, that's the point. I'm like, I'd rather pay more for knowing what's in first of all, for knowing what's in there. Because the you're the type of person that thinks that way that values what that is. There is a growing body of people like you, like me who value that sort of information and are going to purchase those types of goods. Uh, overwhelmingly, I don't think most customers in the supplement industry are like that, but I do think that more and more are becoming like that. And I think that us being at the forefront of, of a little bit of that for the last couple of years is partially why we've been able to propel so high, uh, so fast is because people like you go, Oh my God, they've been doing this this whole time. I get it. I finally get it. I'm going to try it. And then, like you said, it works. Yeah. And the bottom line is that it works. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can talk all the science you want and look at the fucking labels and all the trademark ingredients and all the bullshit. If it doesn't work, then it will not sell. Yep. And uh, I failed both as a, as a provider of information and as a businessman. Yeah. As so going through before 2017, when you said you had your huge jump, um, I guess this is kind of trusting the process when building your brand. Then for the first would you say, when was your first product you said? 2001 again? Um, it was 2009 years. It was 2000 and fuck, so, I can't do math. 2011. Okay. So September so 2011 probably. So you're looking through this and going through ups and downs, maybe accepting some failures, learning from types of learning from those failures. Kind of go through like some of your ups and downs you had yeah. during those first those first few years when trying to build this brand up from Constant, yeah. nothing from nothing to, <laughs> to at least yeah. at least in my eyes one of the most recognizable. But that's because I am friends with a ton of people who use your products, so I'm friends with like Jordan because you, and, and, and Mark. Because that. you think the same way that a lot of us think, and the people that think like we do are there's more of us there's becoming more of us and, and yep. those people are connecting more and more and more. And that's why it's becoming a thing. Um, man, we fucked up a lot. I fucked up a lot. I'm still, I'm very good at many aspects of my job and some I'm so bad at that. I know I'm still holding us back and we're working through those inefficiencies. Um, man, where do I even begin? I, I, so, so from day one, the goal for the company was never to be profitable. I'll just say that. Yeah. I had another job, not a great job. I had a job. My wife had a decent job and it was basically, I knew that I was never going to move up at my other job and make more money. And I also knew that if we eventually wanted to start a family that I would be paying a shitload of money out of my salary to, for childcare, like half of my salary. Okay. Going, Why would I work this, you know, 50 hour week making shit money to pay half of that to childcare. So I don't see my kid 10 hours a day. 
and still have no money at the end of the day. Like I'd rather work less, make less, be home with my kids and have my wife essentially still, you know, be the breadwinner. And um, so that was the original game plan was, can I make something that I believe in that I want to use? Cause at the time I was still very actively competing in bodybuilding and, you know, very much yeah. in that scene. Can I make something that I believe in that I want to use? Can I leave that other sponsorship that I had with the other company? And can this become something that supplements our income in a, in a small way, but it also affords me the, the ability to be home with kids. And we took that leap very early on. And then within, I think two years of starting the company, we ended up moving so that my wife, she got a better job opportunity. We moved to a city that we liked better than where we were from still relatively close to home, but you know, we were at safe distance from, you know, parents and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I basically quit and worked for the company and didn't take a salary, didn't take any money at all. Okay. And many people cannot do that. So we were able to go, all right, let's try this. Nope. We lost all of our money. Well, that's okay. Cause I'm not using it to pay my bills. Let's just start, start over again or, you know, kind of figure out what we're doing from here and just redo these decisions. And as we got better at doing that, the sales increased. We were able to take more money and filter back into the company and fund the next product and the next product and then more ingredients and then, you know, better designs and then better website and all this kind of stuff. And it was just a slow progression of there of, you know, it's like you spend a buck you make a buck, you spend two bucks, you make two bucks, you spend two, you make four and just back and forth and back and forth. And we did that exponentially like, you know, for years. I took my first paycheck on our seven year anniversary. Oh, wow. And, uh, and even now my paychecks are still relatively low compared to the total profit of what the company's doing because we filter so much money back in for the growth of the company. That's how I'm able to keep coming out with more stuff is I'm not taking as much money as I could be from the company. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a time early on where, uh, where we made, you know, so, so we had Alphagen. Okay. That okay. was it. Yeah. Alphagen, nothing else. <laughs> and I bought a ton of it. And at the time we had an ingredient that is now gone from the industry. And at the time it was fine. And then there was wind, you know, word was spreading and everybody's getting wind of this, this potential ban coming. And I panicked and I liquidated all the inventory out for basically cost mm. very quickly and then had no profit to invest more into the company and no product to sell, which means no customers. We had no other products and several months went by where we literally had nothing. But at the time we had almost no overhead and I wasn't taking any money. So the very little bit of money that we did have, I just redid the product and bought more and then didn't panic and didn't sell it off like that. And we survived. But if we were a company that had a bigger buy-in, you know, with more capital investment money or investors or, you know, employees or, you know, big designated warehouse space or whatever at the time, we would have been fucked for sure. For sure. And that sort of thing happened a couple of times, you know, in the first, uh, maybe four years or so before we kind of figured out what we were doing with that. Um, I'm still not good at any sort of moderation at all. So, <laughs> so like if I, if I'm like, yes, we made some money, I immediately turn around and I spend it and I buy more, not on, not on our, us. I spend it on the company. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's a really good decision. And sometimes it's like, uh Oh, I bought way too much of this one not enough of this one and this one sold out and now there's a delay in production and now there's a raw, uh, you know, a raw material shortage. So this is our top selling product and it's gone for three months, but it's a good thing I have a thousand of these that 
you know, it was going to last a year. Stupid decisions. Uh, I've gotten a little better at that. My wife, uh, she's our CFO. She's taking a more active role in doing things. The goal in the next six months is to get her to leave her full-time job and work full-time for the company to fix those inefficiencies that I'm just so bad at. But we did, we did, and we have continued to rely on her. Uh, even now that I'm, I'm making money, all that money is going into, we just built a house that, you know, we're filtering a ton of money back into the company. We're still living off of her salary. Oh, okay. main bill. So I'm not pressured to change the way that we're running the company or to do anything, uh, you, you know, irrational with that money because we need the money. It, we kind of don't need the money at the moment. So I'm able to play with it a little bit. Uh, the pros and cons of that are, you know, pros are that I'm coming out with all this cool shit. The cons are that if I play with that too much, I'm going to do something dumb. Yeah. But from a business perspective. Yeah. I think I got this from listening to your, to your episode with Jordan and Aaron. Um, you have a key, I feel like, is your wife's trust to this whole thing. Oh, yes. Um, we talked a lot about that. <laughs> I think this this has been, this is why I had you, this is why I thought of having you on the show in the first place from listening to the episode is that listening to this, everybody hears they need someone. I was just reading today, I'm reading The Compound Effect and it talks about having a peak performance like partner. And yeah. that's like your wife who will tell you the real shit if you need yeah, to. I mean, and the funny thing is, is like from a relationship standpoint, we are very much a balance and we always have been. Yeah. Uh, I often joke that I'm a rocket ship and she's an anchor. So without her, I'd, I'd be gone. And without me, <laughs> she would sink and do nothing. Yeah. And I bring her up and she keeps me grounded. Um, that just molded into the way that we run the company together in a very big way. And, she, and she's gotten better at corralling me and I've gotten better at taking my creativity and selling it to her in a way that makes logical sense. and isn't just, uh, you know, a, a dreamer's dream sort of thing. Uh, without that balance, without her on board with everything that I've done and the way that I've believed in everything, there's, we wouldn't be, I would be nothing. I mean, literally the last 10 years of my life would have been none of this. Uh, I don't know how anybody could do it without a support person or even if that's a business partner that they have balance with and they trust so much, you have to have incredible amounts of communication, incredible amounts of trust, but also the ability to self-analyze and self-correct because there's a difference between communicating and trust and taking that information and having ego and saying, fuck it and running with your own bullshit or correcting your own bullshit. And even if it sucks and even if it hurts, because it will ultimately make your trajectory go back up again. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have, I luckily have the people around me. It took them a few, a little bit to get used to the podcast. They didn't know where it was going yeah. to truly be honest, but like it's getting more steam and it keeps rolling and it's just like, I'm putting out and you'll get better and better at it and the content will get better. Exactly. And eventually it will become an undeniable thing. Even if in the beginning people, I don't even want to say doubted it. It's just, it wasn't a tangible thing in front of them. It, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because we faced that a lot with the company where up until like, I don't know, a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago, most of my closest friends and family never used our products. Hmm. And then all of a sudden we became this thing and I've been saying the same shit since day one. I've been, I've been talking about the same information. I've been talking about the product. I've been talking about why I created it. 
how I develop products, what I believe in since day fucking one. And only when the company became something tangible and recognizable, a lot of them started going, maybe he's onto something here. And so now like all my siblings and my parents both use a bunch of our stuff. My parents up until two years ago, even when I got my master's degree and even when I've done all these things, not a chance in hell did they trust me enough as their son because they knew all the bullshit that I did when I was younger and all the mistakes I made and how over eager I've gotten with things. And they, they know that. So like, why would they, why would they think that this is any other, any different than any other pipe dream that I've had or any other thing that I've fucked up? Uh, and, and now that I have that, it's been worth that journey. And yes, I've gotten better at doing it. I've gotten more professional and things have changed, but like the, at the root of how I've always done things, nothing's changed at the root of how you you're doing these podcasts now in five years, the reason you're doing them and for the purpose is going to stay the same. The professionalism will change. The money will change. You know, the, the type of audience that you can reach, the type of guests that you can interview, those will always get enhanced as you grow. But the reason that you're doing it is the same. And yeah. then once, once it becomes something more legit, somebody close to you is going to go, holy shit, after these five years, he's a fucking thing. It's like, motherfucker, I was saying that five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. <laughs> yeah. that's what, um, so my story back with uh, when I went through a scenario where people really didn't see where I was going with this. Um, and it took me, I think I came downstairs it was during winter break. I just released my episode with Dylan, Bear, and Lauren. And I think it reached, I had like a thousand downloads or something on. I finally reached a thousand downloads for the podcast in general after like four and a half, five months or something of doing it. And I was like, mom, I hit a thousand downloads. And then she's like, she kind of looked at me and she like had like eyes kind of open, like really? And I was like, yeah. And then it prompted her to take a listen to my episodes. Yeah. And she was oh, like, yeah. she was like, this is great. And I was like, awesome. I finally have your support. And then it blew up to like, now I'm in May and we have almost, I'm almost at 5k. Nice. Like that was my goal. That was my goal for 2020. Like yeah. I'm kind of laughing at it because I looked at my goal sheet for 2020 and I was like, get 5k plus downloads. And I was like, shit, I'm already going to be there like next week. I was like, like this yeah. is going to be like the- before the halfway mark of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like- but that's, that's very similar to the way that things always happen with us where I I've always set these goals and then they've happened much faster. I've kind of gone like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Uh, I remember, you know, I talked about that 2017, When I look at those numbers now they're funny now but at the time it was like oh my gosh we're actually gonna we're actually a company you know i can make something out of this and i remember my mom asking me how things were going and it's it's funny talking about numbers with people right because numbers and finances and that kind of stuff makes people either really happy or they question things or it makes them really uncomfortable uh, especially with the way for us that things have grown. So in 2017, we, I remember at the time we had like our highest month ever. I think it was that February of 2017. It was our, our highest month ever by a pretty good amount of money at the time. And I was like, hey, my, hey mom, you know, I'm super excited. We hit our highest month ever, you know, last month. And she's like, oh, good. How much? And I told her and she goes, in a month? <laughs> I go, yeah. And she goes, oh my God. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. 
I go, yeah. And then she goes, well, how much of that is profit? And I told her and she goes, oh my God. <laughs> and that's fantastic. I go, no, mom, I'm not paying myself that much money. Uh, you know, we're filtering it all back in and you know, it seems like profit, but it's not. And she's like, that's, that's really good. Wow. I, that's really great. That's really great. The funny thing is now is we are literally 10 times bigger than that. Wow. And, but that was that moment that it finally hit them because they had no idea. They're like, Oh, you know, he's doing, you know, a thousand dollars a month in sales. I'm like, no, 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 it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how my parents also felt like when I told my dad like that I was, so I'm, so I also do coaching. Um, it's kind of what I love to do. I'm a huge person on mindset. So it's like something that I love teaching in a way, if I can, to any of my clients. It's kind of been the focus of during this whole quarantine yeah. is actually keeping the mindset positive. And I signed my first client the week before this whole thing went down. And I told my dad I got my first paying client. And he was like, shit. He's like, oh, yeah. it might not be that much money. I was like, but it's something. I was like, oh, hey, man. it's bringing it in. I was like, it's better than nothing right now. I was like, Everybody I love it. starts from something. And once That's, you become legitimate and professional, as long as you keep pouring into it and correcting the little mistakes, but keep again, the, the passion and the root of why you're doing it at the core of what you've always done. Um, it's only going to get better. Yeah. It'll take time. And you know, there are people that buy into whatever industry they're in, you know, with marketing and gimmicky bullshit and they can make a lot of money fast, but they, they, you know, they fizzle out very, very quickly. Whereas like for us, I'm not worried about ever going away because it's taken us nine years to get here. And I still have never spent almost a dime ever on formal marketing. We don't have, we've never run an ad, you know, we've never done analytics for any of this stuff. There's no, there's no strategy behind why we post anything. Eventually we're going to change some of that stuff, but knowing that we've gotten to the point that we are now based on what we've been able to give to the consumer and how we've been able to interact and the value that we provided them has superseded all the bullshit. Yeah. And yeah, so, I, so now we have staying power. And so now even with this, like we, we went down a little bit in March and, and April due to the COVID thing and the people getting laid off and, you know, the chaos everywhere. Part of that may have been because we we're also out of a bunch of products and that was my fault. With the, you know, the inefficiencies that I talked about, um, but things are back up now and I'm pretty sure we're going to hit a high month ever this month. We're pretty awesome. close to it anyways. And I'm pretty sure that the rest of the year is just going to keep going up as we keep releasing more stuff and fixing the inventory issues and getting some better content out. And, you know, gyms are opening back up soon and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, they can, they'll be soon for you guys and PA are not going to say anything, but it's just, I'm in the worst area possible to yeah. have a gym open. So hopefully by the time this episode comes out, the gyms are open. I need, I kind of want it back. Um, but I kind of want to ask one last thing because Sean told me to absolutely ask you about this um, <laughs> before, before anything, once he found out that you were coming on. Um, what's your take on music festivals? That's all you told me to tell. What's, like, that's my, all take? what's my take? God, what an open-ended question. I know. Well, that's all. That's all he told me to ask. He was like, just uh, ask him about music festivals. What I was like, say about music festivals. <laughs> well, I've been to a few, uh, and I've had incredible experiences at them. I used to look at them very superficially from the outside as something very contrived and very forced and very fake. And there's certainly pieces of that that exist. Um, music is a very, uh, very interesting part of humanity. Anyways, it everybody has their 
I, there's not a single human being on the planet that doesn't enjoy some type of music. It's built into us. It yep. makes us feel good. It makes us uh, draw back to happy memories. Uh, it releases anxiety and tension. You know, it takes our mind away from stressors. It's all these great things. When you add that into a sense of community at, at a music festival and a sense of openness and acceptance um, and creativity, it's an unbelievable experience that goes far beyond just what the music itself can do. You know, everybody listens to their favorite song that makes them happy, makes them think about good times. You take that and you add in amazing people in an amazing atmosphere where you're not bothered by life stress. You're not judged for the outfit that you're wearing or the dance moves that you're doing or any of this kind of stuff. And it's just an unbelievable, it's like a whole nother world being in that. Uh, I remember we went to EDC last year in Orlando in November. You know, there was like, I don't know, 200,000 people there. Yeah. It was crazy how many people were just everywhere. And I've never seen so many different types of people in my life. And there was almost no security anywhere. Like every now and then you'd see like one security guard or one cop. Like you would never, I mean, out of hundreds of thousands of people, like barely any, you'd be walking through the crowd and excellent accident, like step on somebody's leg who's laying down in the grass. You have no idea. Not a single person ever gets upset. Nobody gets mad. No fights. I mean, it was nothing. You'll get like these, you know, the, the dirtiest, grungiest hippies walking around barefoot <laughs> in a robe with a cane. You get the crazy, bougie, rich girls who got flown there in dad's money in these diamond-encrusted, you know, winged outfits with lights and shit. You have everything in between. Um, and everybody's there, and they're experiencing the same general thing. They have the same general respect for each other. And it's just an unbelievable experience. Yeah, highly, I, highly recommend it. I've never been, and I want to go. And Dylan and Lauren want to be the first group to take me to go. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, to. I was like, I need to. I was like, I need to get rid of my. I have to. I'm going to work for government. So I was yeah. like, I need to get into full time coaching before I'm able to actually go to a festival and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, hint, hint. Hopefully, the government's not listening to this episode. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah. So first off, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know we were going back and forth a lot on scheduling and man, it's yeah. like, oh, trust me. things are really easy for me. And sometimes they're just a shit show. There was one day that we're supposed to do it. And I was just like, I think it was all the way back like, in, it was all the way back in March. And then I was like, like, I'll be honest, bro. Today's not happening. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. The kids are being shitty. My kid just, I forget what he did. He dumped food or something all over the fucking <laughs> wall or something. I'm like this. Nope. It's just not happening. So Awesome. Well, before you go, I do the same three questions. Um, first, first question is, uh, what three things do you want everybody to leave with from this episode? If you could kind of summarize it into three things. Oh man, three things. What a good fucking question. Um, so these are, these are things that I've talked about in this and things that I talk about a lot outside of this that I kind of live my life by. And, um, I've talked very heavily about truth and it's not just telling the truth, it's living the truth. It's identifying the truth within yourself. So many people go through life following a template. They do what everybody's supposed to do, what society wants them to do. And there's things within them that don't align with that specifically. And I'm not saying do something stupid and reckless and illegal and dumb. Yeah. Um, but be who, be who you are and, and, seek that truth. So it's not just be who you are. It's analyze who you are at the core, 
remember I talked about self-correction and, and it's like self-actualization. If you can figure that out to the core of who you are, then your path in front of you becomes just crystal clear. And then if you stay on that path, you're not bothered by people that aren't on the path as much. And it's, it's professional, it's emotional, it's with relationships, it's sexual, it's whatever it might be. And that path becomes very clear. So the, I think living a truthful existence is of the utmost importance. Um, once you've achieved that communication, again, with business contacts, with relationships, with people around you, and it's taking those truths and being able to effectively both communicate them to other people so that it benefits them, but also so they understand that the way that you think and the path that you're on. Um, but it's also being receptive to other people's communication because you can't learn and grow if you only listen to yourself. Um, and you also can't understand anybody else's perspective if you've closed your mind off. And so that communication going both ways, uh, kind of that open-minded communication, I think is absolutely crucial in, in all facets of, of life. Um, got a third one I would say is remember that, the time that you're given here is limited. The odds that you even exist as a human being is almost infinitely small. The fact that you have consciousness, that you live in this age with more resources and technology and people and, and all these things than any human being has ever had is more reason than anything to give everything that you have. Life is meant to be lived. It is meant to be pursued. It is meant to be enjoyed. And that doesn't, again, mean chase so much of life that it wrecks you. Because, you know, I look at life as, a, as an upward journey. Yeah. If there's anything along that journey that seems like so incredible, but it runs the risk of ruining your journey, then it is not ultimately a good thing for your journey. You know, I'm not going to go try heroin, even though it might be an incredible experience, because ultimately that could fuck up my whole journey. And so that would be a terrible decision to optimize my life. So I, everything that I do, I try to optimize my human experience with, yeah. with everything, relationships, business, all that kind of stuff. And identifying who you are at the truth, communicating that effectively with people and trying to optimize your chance on this planet as much as you can, I think are three big things that will carry you in whatever thing you're doing. Yeah. I think the last one kind of hits home with me too, because coming from the situation, I think everybody who's listened to this podcast has, or if you're coming to this podcast, when I was at that point where life was about to end, um, when I was 17, now I'm here at 22, um, you can fully say to live your life. Yeah. Um, it's a lot better when you get over what you're able to get over. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've had similar stuff from my past. I've been haunted by a lot of things and knowing that those things exist within me drives me even more to maximize what I'm, what I'm given. Yeah. Uh, because if not, then, then why? You know? Yep. yep. Uh, next question is, I guess we're going to take this a different route. Cause usually I do books and podcasts. I don't know. Do you read or listen to podcasts? <laughs> no. Awesome. Um, well, we'll take this a different route then. We'll, um, yeah. we'll go. What's your top three supplements that you, uh, that you've come out with that I make. Oh God. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to pick three to use for myself, <laughs> or pick three because I like them or pick three because they make money. Like, um, that um, you would use that you would use for yourself for myself. Um, so as I get older, I'm, I, like you said, you know, you, 
on the cognitive health, uh, just health and wellness in general, I find myself more fascinated by as I get older. Um, Morpho Prime, for sure. Uh, I'm, you know, closer to 40 now than I was to 30 uh, several years ago. Uh, I have family history of heart disease, yeah. uh, bad blood profiles, all kinds of stuff. Um, I have children. I have an amazing wife. I want to make sure that I'm able to do the things that I want to do with them and also here as long as I can be. So Prime is of the utmost importance. Um, that's one that I actually developed for my dad because yeah, I wanted him to take all that stuff separately and he it's just too complicated. And I go, fuck it. Let's make a product that's got all that shit. And now all these companies are doing the same sort of thing. Uh, so Prime is probably the number one that I would focus on for me. Um, uh, we'll go Alphagen, our pre-workout. So uh, it's not just performance-based. Alphagen sentimental for me. It, it was our first product. That's why it's called Alpha. It was the first. It was the leader. Um, it, it conveys not just performance benefits, but intense cognitive and mood enhancing qualities as well. Before we had brain, before the nootropic category even existed in the supplement market, I was using that to finish grad school and, you know, build my business and do all these creative, uh, these, you know, task management type stuff. So Alphagen is definitely right up there. Um, if I had to pick a third one myself, oh Jesus, what would I pick? Uh, we'll go with more of a brain on the same, on the same vein as the alphagen. Um, not just the immediate cognitive benefits in terms of like, you know, memory recall and that kind of stuff, but just cognitive health, uh, the longevity of the brain, um, oxygenation in the brain synapse connection versus like just being able to study right now. Uh, taking care of the long-term health of, of my brain is something that as I, my body gets a little worse every year, I want my brain to be sharp. Yeah. Sharper every, every single time. So, awesome. so those would be my three. Yeah. My personal three at the moment. Awesome. Um, and last question, uh, basically shameless plug yourself. Uh, where can people find you? Um, if they want to ask you any questions, um, on any types of products, find your products or anything, just or any of that stuff. All right. ahead. Uh, so the company is Morphogen Nutrition. That's Morpho with an O it's not Morpha. So Morpho and Gen means create change. Um, and that's how we came up with that. Unfortunately, morphogennutrition.com is ridiculous. So we have MN Takeover. So we say join the takeover at mntakeover.com. So that's how you find the website. There's a submission page on the contact page or, you know, submission section on the contact page that goes directly to me. Um, I answer emails very fast. Uh, social media, I'm big on the Instagram stuff. I'm at morphogenben on Instagram. Oops. We have... Um, we have an Instagram account for Morphogen that we're not super active on. We're slowly building that up. It's just Morphogen underscore nutrition. Um, I answer DMs on that pretty regularly. But for the most part, the at Morphogen Ben is probably the easiest way to find me. If you're on Facebook, feel free to look me up. I'm Ben Hartman. Can't miss me. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Ben. For messages are cool. Instagram DMs are cool. Yeah. Yeah. Email me at the company, all that, all that good stuff. Yeah, he answers everything, guys. So if you have a question... Don't be afraid to ask. Nothing is, I always say this, there's no such thing as a dumb question, especially when it comes to supplements. Yeah. So. And you know what? It's like, you know, you talked about education, like my whole background before the company was based in education and, and learning and, and mentoring and that kind of stuff. And if somebody has a question about a specific ingredient, that's maybe even something that we don't include in a formula and somebody wants to go, what do you think about this ingredient? I might think it's 
cool and we just don't have a purpose for putting it in one of ours or I might have a reason that we don't use it and I can explain that reason whether it's a cost to benefit ratio or a safety issue or a dosing issue or I just don't think it works issue um, I'm always again truthful about something I can never take a situation like that and steer somebody to get something of ours if I truly think they can drive benefit from something else and conversely if I think that they don't need one of ours I'm not going to push them towards it you know what I mean so yeah, yeah uh, Awesome. Yeah. Uh, guys, last thing, if you did enjoy this, uh, episode, please tag me and Ben screenshot the episode tag Ben and I, um, I'll be sure to show some love back on my story. He may be as well on his. Um, so thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast.